0: So this morning, as I share, I, I want us to keep this in mind. This is an incredibly active church, isn't it? Yeah. The camps that you guys have done this summer, give yourselves a hand. You guys have pulled off some significant stuff. And you know, Jared Nan's philosophy is that we are going to accomplish what God has by going and doing and participating some of you have been going and doing and participating that you're kind of in that, oh, I'm catching my breath phase. And so I just, I lead with that as I talk about moving and going and, um, and exerting and sweating I want you to keep in mind that you could be in a place where you just need to catch your breath. So let me be like the coach from the sideline who's saying, hey, you're doing a great job. And Jesus is going to meet you, even if you're a little bit fatigued because you've been working hard. Does that make sense? Yeah. Because what I am going to do is push and prod and excite us, I hope, and inspire us that when we get in motion with Jesus, powerful stuff happens. Yeah. So uh, last year, 2014... I decided that I am going to run a 5k and I ran cross country in high school for a year did track for a year. And I enjoy long distance running, but I thought this will be the year to PR to, you know, do your best. And so I began this um, ridiculous training program that was incredibly painful. I'd be out on these training runs. I'd be like, Jesus, just come now or, or kill me. I mean, either one, I may be killing myself right now. This is, but I was ready. I was ready to PR, and so I show up the day, the Lucky Clover 5K, and I arrive, and I look at the course, and the first mile has three quarters of it that is uphill. And I thought, well, I'm probably not going to PR, but I'll give it my best because my parents came out, and I don't care how old you are. When your parents come, you're like... (laughs) Like kids on the stage, like kindergarten performers, they're like... I was like, I'm going to do this. And so gun goes off first mile, three quarters of it is uphill and I'm going. And I looked at my watch at the end of the first mile. I am on pace to PR. Whoa. And something that I've never experienced before. I am within striking distance of the leaders. Did you hear what I said? Isaac (laughs) Hobbit was in striking distance. And I thought, Oh my goodness. I might PR and who knows if I have a good kick, I might just mile two goes through in the middle of mile three. I look down, I have a heart rate monitor. You know, it tells you how hard you're working or how hard you're not working. And my heart rate was screaming at 189 beats a minute. And I have like three quarters of a mile to go. And so I'm just, I'm just, "Ah, I don't know if I needed that information, but it's affirming what I feel on the inside. (laughs) And I had to stop. And I walked for like 20 seconds. And I know PR is gone. Leaders her ahead. Wow. But getting out and being in motion, I learned something about And I finished the race. I did finish the race. Paul says this. You guys have been studying Paul and his journeys and lessons from the road. Paul is writing the church in Corinth, this crazy church. <laughs> I mean, <crazy>. like loony. <laughs> These guys are Crazy. But he's encouraging them to be together, and he uses this metaphor, and he calls us, them, and us to the body of Christ. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12. He says, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Let's read that together. All of you are together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Who's a part of it? Turn to the person next to you and say, you're a part. That's right. That's right. Paul is saying that every one of us has a role to play. Elsewhere in Colossians, he describes that Jesus is the head of the church and we are his body. In other words, Jesus will not be experienced in the world unless we take what is in his head, his thoughts, his attitudes, his behaviors, his intentions, and put them, incarnate them into the world around us. Put, them, put Jesus into the flesh. And that is all of our responsibility. And I would like to suggest this morning that the body, the body of Christ is at its best when it is in motion. Let's say say it together. The body is at its best when it is in motion. You know that scientists say now that sitting is the new smoking. Have you heard this? Yeah. Yeah. That we have so much opportunity to sit in our culture. We can sit to work. We can sit to travel. There's major side effects, adverse side effects that are not good for us to be sitting. Actually, Brad, you'll appreciate this. I found a study from Australia. Yeah, it must be right. It has to be right. Yeah. And this study, there's a quote from this study. Another study in the journal Circulation looked at nearly 9,000 Australians and found that for each additional hour of television, a person sat and watched per day, the risk of dying rose by 11%. That's crazy. Sitting is harmful for us. So Some of you just want to stand right now. You're like, okay, I can't sit. This is, yeah. Feel free as we move on this morning. But I think it's true in a similar way with the body of Christ. That it's easy within our culture, the way that we wire and the way that we think about discipleship, we think about consuming information. Like when we think of a discipleship, we usually attach class to that. Discipleship learning time, where I go and, no, that's a part of it. But the body is at its best and we grow. In maturity, when we are doing and learning together. And so Jesus will always be calling us because he wants us to mature. Every person in here, he wants to mature, regardless of what stage of life you're in. And the way that he does that is calling us to learn, to go, and to do. The body is at its best when it is in motion together. And I'm so glad you're part of a church that gets that. We put people in motion, engage people, raise up leaders, give activity for people to be engaged with this process of going and doing and being discipled in that way. And the reality is, all of us need to mature, don't we? Yeah, we don't. We don't come into this thing like, oh, he's ready-made, <laughs> she's plug-and-play. Oh man, that's yeah, just that's great, easy peasy. No, all of us have to mature. Have to mature. And I've noticed this with my own with my own kids. You've, you've noticed that probably, and I—I I got my daughter's permission, who is a strong-willed type. She's a leader type to show this video. This is when she was four years old, and her little brother was one. And this illustrates the fact that each of us needs to grow. Take a look. <laughs> could not have staged that right that just that happened my daughter is a leader Stephen Covey talks about using your initiative and your resourcefulness to accomplish problems she took initiative there's a problem you are holding me up there's a problem I'll take my initiative and use the resourcefulness of my own muscles to throw you down right yeah now how many of you know like throwing somebody down people out of your way that's not good right yeah that's not good she needs to mature in the same way God has called you He's given you resources, and he's given you gifts, and he's given you talents, and he wants you to mature in those things so that you are able to accomplish his mission with each other. We are the body of Christ, and the body's at its best when it's in motion. That's how Jesus disciples it. So I'll just introduce you briefly. A discipleship loop, so to speak, of how Jesus um, calls us. And, and I want you to see that each one of these are a call to action and to do and to exert. And you may find yourself somewhere on this discipleship loop, uh, so to speak. But I think this happens consistently over time. This is the way Jesus works with us. So the first word that Jesus, um, that I want to point out in terms of how he disciples us and how he asks us to exert is come Jesus says to come to him. John 7, 37, on the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Now, if, if you're a parent, you know that when you say come, this is not like an invitation to passivity. <laughs> but You're like, child, come here, come here. Now come, in the same way Jesus always he will initiate and say, "Come to me, come to me, be in my presence, set aside time, discipline your life in a way that you can be with me. Come to me and sit at my feet and learn. Let me heal you, let me let me speak over to you as we did in worship here. I was just so moved. Your love so deep. Oh Jesus, you are my everything. I'm coming to His feet. It Takes activity. To go and to do and to be a part of this. A second thing that Jesus will always call us to is to repent. Come, first of all. Secondly, he will always call us to repentance. We see Jesus doing this in Matthew 4. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is near. Listen, we all have areas in our life, we have attitudes and we have actions that are outside of the will of what God would want for us. And he will consistently be saying, oh, come to me. And now repent. Repent is not like a, I'm sorry. That's a part of it. But sometimes we think of repentance as just like, oh, man, I messed up. That's a part of it. But true repentance is I'm walking in this way. I'm walking away from God and his will and his desires. And now I am turning I'm turning and walking in his ways. So this repentance is activity. Have you ever tried to stop a ship that's going in a direction? Yep. I've been out of the river a couple of times this summer, um, <laughs> paddling around in an inner tube. And when you have some, the current is going in a certain direction, and you need to change course, that takes what? Exertion and effort. And I think Jesus is always calling us, and there's so many of you in here right now, they're identifying, oh, man, I've been walking this way. And just saying, oh, I'm sorry for that, isn't going to cut it. Jesus is asking you to turn and to repent and to move in the other direction. The body's at its best when it's in motion. He invites you to get in gear with that idea of um, moving away from the things that are tripping us up. Thirdly, Jesus says, follow. He says, come to me, repent of your way, and then follow in my ways. We see this in Matthew 4. Again, Jesus called out to them. Come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. Follow me. We don't do this as much anymore because we all have GPS's on our phone. But do you remember the days where like you're going to meet at a restaurant, somebody from out of town is like, I don't know where that restaurant is. And you would say, follow me. Do you remember these days? Yeah, we don't do it as much anymore. But would you pull out of a parking lot somewhere and the person is supposed to be following you and you get down the road and you realize these people are horrible followers. <laughs> <laughs> these people know how to follow if I'm going 45 miles an hour, you are following me and you are going 45 miles an hour. If I'm making the left turn here, you need to make the light and make the, yeah, it's on. The onus is on them to be a good follower. And the same way Jesus has us on a trajectory and he has a direction. and He says, these are my ways. My pace is your pace. My direction is your direction. My ways are your ways. And we're not just called to be like, you've heard this before, not a fan of Jesus. Like, yay, Jesus is great. He's doing good things. That's great. Yes, we need that. But more than that, it's like, oh, Jesus, what are you doing? You're great. Oh, and I am going your way. It takes effort. And I tell you, in our culture, in our day and age, it is very easy for us just to wave at Jesus. But he's not asking for waivers. He's asking for true Followers. The body's at its best when it is in motion. Next, Jesus always calls us to go. So come, repent, follow, and then go. We see this, therefore, in Matthew 28, 19, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus is always inviting us onto this path of coming to him. Repenting, following him so that we can go and activate our mission. There's several of you that are going in a very real profound international way to Guatemala in six weeks or so. And I'll be on that trip along with you with some of the people from our church. And that's very exciting. But go is more than just international or far away. It's to go into our neighborhoods, to go into our families and see that we are taking with us the mission of Jesus Christ into our workplaces. We are to go. We come to him so that we're fulfilled by him. We repent because there's things that are tripping us up and distracting us. And then we are to follow in his ways. We learn his way of love, his way of engaging people, his ways of spirituality. And so that we are prepared to go. And when somebody has been walking on that path, which by the way, happens all the time, it's come and repent and follow and go and come and repent and follow and go. And when we continue to do that, we are ready to meet the people that Jesus has for us. Do you know that you are sent to Washington County? You are sent here. It is no accident. It is not a job that brought you here. God may have used a job to bring you here, but you are sent and He has a purpose and a place for you to engage this world. The lost and the hurting and the dying need you. Okay. Hey, thanks. <laughs> so, um, in this process, I have some tips. That I've learned along the way. That I'm I'm continuing to learn along the way with my own discipleship, and the things particular that are happening, happening in Cottage Grove. And uh, you'll enjoy hearing uh, some of these stories. So if you're taking notes this morning, this is like the the actions that to do, some things to keep in mind, in particular the ways that Jesus might encourage you to get in motion. The first, try, even if unconventional. To your ways, there could be something that is coming up—that an opportunity for your own growth and discipleship on one of those pegs of that discipleship loop—that is going to be. You are going to have to try, even if it's unconventional, even if it's what you didn't expect. So, on May tenth of this year, there was a young man in Sweet Home, Oregon, who um, was frustrated. He was frustrated because he felt like God was calling him to be a youth pastor. And he had spent the previous few weeks praying and looking for the right position and job and really feel like God was just calling him to focus on that. And he had never been unemployed except for that three-week time in his life and the three months prior when he was serving in Uganda where God gave him that strong call. And so he's beginning to feel like, well, maybe I didn't hear God and I'm just supposed to get a regular job and see what happens. That same day, May 10th of this year, is the day where I was frustrated. I was frustrated because our church was finally a place where we could afford to bring on a part-time youth pastor. And I was doing all the things that I knew I was supposed to do to find that part-time youth pastor. I'm, I'm networking with people. I'm asking about certain people. I'm inviting certain um, individuals to maybe consider joining us. And I'm just frustrated. I feel like, God, you need to send somebody to Cottage Grove. And in an instant, I, I felt like I'm supposed to put an ad on Craigslist. Now... Brad, I don't know if you've been to Pastoring 101, but (laughs) in that class, they teach you don't search for youth pastors on Craigslist. (laughs) It's not a real class, and they don't really say that, but I think that's wisdom. And I got some of the response that you would expect when you put an ad on Craigslist. I had a face-to-face with one individual, and he spent the whole hour of the conversation telling me about the things that annoy him about local churches. Okay, you don't interview well, (laughs) okay? Uh, 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 Um, (laughs) yeah, so, (laughs) sorry, jokes running through my head, but, but Colton emailed me, read his resume, had coffee with him, and I thought, God, this is better than I would have expected. Yeah, because <laughs> I'd had coffee with the other guy too. <laughs> he came to our church. And in the context of worship, I just saw him undone along with his fiance. Just, we spent the afternoon with them. We invited him to a formal interview. And I just kept saying, God, this keeps our. We're. My final step was I called Jared and Ann. And said, so I have this kid from Sweet Home. He was raised Mennonite, which you know Jared was too. This couldn't be so bad, right? <laughs> and I went through, and I was basically like, I feel like I'm supposed to invite this guy. And Ann and Jared were like, yeah, you sound like you found your guy. Everything was lining up. It was so unconventional. The fact that I found him on Craigslist, like was like, this is not, Jesus, it doesn't work this way. But God did. And on June 21st, I introduced to our church for the first time in two years that we've had a youth pastor, Colton Emmert, as our youth pastor. Jesus will always be inviting us to try. And if it doesn't look conventional to us, if it doesn't fit in the paradigm that we are living in, we need to have faith because Jesus can work through amazing things. I believe for some of you in this room, there is a season coming where something's gonna be unconventional, and you're like, I can't do that. That's weird. That's like Isaac's Craigslist story. Yeah. Try, even if unconventional to your ways. A second tip here for us, risk even if uncomfortable. Hmm. Risk even if uncomfortable. The young man you see on the screen here, his name is Brayden, and Brayden is a 16-year-old, and he's one of the most talented people I've ever been around. He um, is incredibly articulate. If he were to stand up here, he would just blow you away with how articulate he is. He is a tap dancer and um, he's a dancer. He's an actress or actor. (laughs) And he's just astounding how talented he is. He's been coming to our church. As I mentioned, we haven't had much of a youth ministry, but he sits in the context of uh, church. And when summer camp came around, I wondered if he's going to go to summer camp. And so I went to him and I talked to him. I said, Braden, are you going to summer camp? And he was kind of like, ah. And I talked to his mom, and his mom was like, oh man, he's going through a really painful time. his mom and his um, dad are getting a divorce and he doesn't trust men. And these things are really, you know, really challenging for him. And, um, but I talked to him, invited him. And then a week later, she says, Oh my gosh, Braden is signing up for camp. And I was like, I'd had this like, Jesus is going to do something good. Cause I know what it's like, particularly with camp when kids risk and they get uncomfortable. And Jesus is like, I got you where I want you. First night of camp, Worship. Brayden is down on the front row, on his hands, on his knees, his hands extended in the air. Second night of camp, he's down on the front row, just tears on his face, he's just on his knees, extending his hands. Third night, Brayden is right there. He is having a profound encounter night after night with Jesus. And at the end of camp, I was like, Brayden, man, tell me what's going on. And I'm, I'm not making fun of him; it's just the way he talks. He's just like, "Oh, Jesus is so amazing." And I told you, he's bright. He's read like the whole Bible and he starts like quoting passages from revelation. He's seeing these visions of Jesus in his grandeur and he's seeing visions of Jesus as this innocent lamb of God. And he's seeing how Jesus has come to forgive him. He's seeing how Jesus is calling him to use his gifts and his love of theater and his love of literature to tell the world about Jesus. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh. And then he goes into this, this is so great. And he goes, and then, and then I just started praising God in Latin, which I study. start praising God in Latin, which he studies. And I, and I thought, I think that may have been the only Protestant Latin praise that God got that day. (laughs) Oh man, he risked, even though it was uncomfortable, he stepped out and what did Jesus do? Jesus met him right there. Some of us, this next season in our lives, Jesus is going to call us to risk. And we're going to be like, it's not comfortable. And Jesus is like, I don't care what America says about comfort. It's not the number one thing in your life. Whew. Risk. Step out. Go. Get in motion. And allow Jesus to incredibly touch you, transform you. For the sake of his kingdom. Third tip. Play to be Shaped in your skills. Get in the game. So I mentioned this youth pastor that I have. His name is, you know, Colton. And and he's better at basketball than me. Did you notice my humility as I admitted that? Yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's, there are better basketball players than me. But typically I'm a better basketball player than most guys. And so now, as my friend Shane yesterday pointed out. We're playing one-on-one and he beats me. And Shane is like, that guy, I don't know. You don't beat the boss. <laughs> and I'm like... Anyway, but as a result of playing with him, I've developed a new move. It's a move I saw him doing. And it's a move I need to do because he's, he's stronger and quicker and can jump higher and shoot better than me. <laughs> and I developed this little move, like this little step back thing and and get some space so I can get my shot off. And I have beat him from time to time. But we've got to get in the game and play so our skills get sharpened. Jesus has given you talents. Jesus has given you skills. And those things are not developed when you're standing on the sideline. You have to get in the game. And I don't know in particular what that is for you in the next season of your life. But I know what it was for Tracy. I I met Tracy the first few weeks that I was down in Cottage Grove four and a half years ago. And Tracy, 10 years ago now, had had breast cancer stage four and had been um, healed by Jesus through that process. And at the beginning of breast cancer, she was a nominal Christian. Like, you know, attend church, hang out, but really didn't have an active relationship with Jesus. Through that process, Jesus like grabbed her and said, Tracy, I have a calling for you. And Tracy has learned that she is called to be a speaker and to be an author. Tracy graduated from high school with like a 1.8 GPA. She's about 50 years old, and I should be 50 this year. She is entering into her senior year at New Hope Christian College because she's stepping out in this process. I spent a lot of time with Tracy. She's been one of our key leaders in shaping her. But anytime I asked Tracy, hey, Tracy, would you pray at our gathering or would you give that announcement, she's like, uh uh-uh. Uh 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 huh. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So I learned not to ask her until like right before, (laughs) because if I didn't, she would like stew on it for a week and like go into hibernation hiding because it was just like so scary for her to get in front of people. Well, a few weeks ago, there was a women's conference at our church. It started off as going to be like 10 women in our church, just encouraging one another ended up being over 70 women that were there. And the leader of the conference invited Tracy to be the keynote speaker on the Friday evening. Tracy's ready for that. That evening, I got to introduce um, her and another woman that was uh, speaking at the conference. Some of you are like, you were at the women's conference? And <laughs> I like, yeah, I just talk like this, and it worked great. That was the worst woman's voice I've ever done. That was like Mickey Mouse. I don't know what that was. <clears throat> anyway. <laughs> so there was another woman that spoke first, and I was sitting towards the back with Tracy. And Tracy was just like her hands on her knees, like, and she was just like breathing. She had to excuse herself three times to go throw up in the bathroom. Seriously, she was so scared. And she got up on that stage and she began to share beautifully. You wouldn't have known that she was scared. She started to share her story about Jesus healed her and about how Jesus had deep healing of forgiveness that she needed to walk through towards people in her life. She just shared authentically. She opened up God's word and talked about that. And every woman in that room was so touched. She was so excited the next week to come meet with me and say, what do you think is next? I was like, you're probably going to speak more. She's like, no. (laughs) Oh, man, but her skills are being shaped. God has given her these talents. He's given her this perspective. He's given her this experience. And as she's gotten into the game, oh, it is amazing. The ripple effect of that step of faith. Final tip for us. Expect to be a clutch player. Expect to be a clutch player. Remember what Paul said? You're the body of Christ, and every one of you is that. Is there a part of your body you're like, "Uh, I don't need you? No, no. Actually, when there's a small part of your body, like your pinky toe or your pinky or something that's hurt... You're like, oh, okay, that's not as effective, and I need that to heal. You very much notice it. In the same way, God has invited you in a certain area of the body of Christ to be the clutch player, and nobody can accomplish what Jesus wants to happen in this body but you. And you need to expect that. I'm going to come through in the clutch. Jennifer, here on the screen, um, she's been a Christian now for a whole two years. I think I told a story about Jennifer when I was here last time, and just this profound journey. She's in her mid 40s. Um, she's a single mom. She's come through Alcoholics Anonymous and has been clean and sober now for uh, six or seven years. And in that process, found Jesus in a profound way. It's very fun to spend time with Jennifer. Um, she's been growing in her leadership, and we've been giving her opportunities. I've been mentoring her a lot. Uh, She'll be enrolling at George Fox University this year to uh, pursue her Master's of uh, Divinity uh, degree. Uh, She's also pursuing right now a um, uh, a four-square, to be a a licensed Foursquare pastor. It's very exciting, things that are happening. She came to me at the beginning of the summer. She goes, Isaac, I feel like I'm supposed to gather these women at women's conference I talked about, and to do this thing. And it might just be like 10 or 12. I feel like I'm supposed to invite this speaker and this. And I was like, that's awesome. Let's do it together. Just come alongside. And Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Wow. And she is... Expecting, like, okay, God's going to use me. I've been a Christian for two years now. Isn't it about time He's really going to use me? And I thought, yes, it's about time He's really going to use me. And she put together this women's conference, you got all these speakers, and all of a sudden there's over 70 women are part of this thing. She was the first speaker at the event, and she talks about, just about how God is calling dry bones to come alive. She's preaching out of Ezekiel and encouraging these women, and people are just in tears saying, oh my gosh, I, I want what you have and what Jesus is doing. Jennifer has expected to be a clutch player. She has a role to play. And listen, no religious institution is going to let a woman who's only been a Christian for two years, that has a messy life with with children from two different fathers, who's gone through AA to lead. A religious institution can't do that, but the love and the grace of Jesus Christ can. And she expects, I'm going to be used. I think it's good. I mean, uh, yeah. I tell Jennifer, you're like a quarterback. Yeah. Distributing now, engaging, providing leadership. And it's your sophomore season when you are a veteran. Oh, Satan, look out. Oh. And I just get to... Yeah. Well, I have one thought about this. For some of you who are fatigued, and you've been serving, you've been doing this. Um, this is what I believe. Have you heard of a runner's high? You heard of runners high before? Like runners who like describe this high feeling that they get. Um, that's because your body, re- when you put stress on it, releases endorphins. And endorphins—I have a quote here: Endorphins block the transmission of pain signals and also produce a euphoric feeling, exactly like opiates. So you want to go get high? Let's go on a run together. Yeah, <laughs> Shane's like, "Yeah, I'll do that." <laughs> wow. I believe the same thing happens when we throw in together as a church body. That as we exert, as we run hard, sometimes we're putting stress on ourselves and there's pain, but the Holy Spirit gives us endorphin shots along the way. We had a huge event a few weeks ago, and, and it was so much work. It was one of those things the day before. I'm like, why did we say yes to these kind of things? This is just crazy. But then all came together, and people came to know Jesus. And I got together with my team afterwards. We were in Starbucks debriefing, and you would, have, you would have thought we were high because it was just like, oh, my gosh, what did Jesus do? He'll give us an endorphin shot along the way. He will. He will be faithful. And some of us who want to step out can trust that. Well, well, I told you about my race at the beginning. And remember mile three came along and I just was tanking out. Well, I decided to finish hard. And as I rounded the last corner of the race, I realized something. This race is either a 10K or a 5K. And all of the runners who were ahead of me peeled off for the 10K. And lumbering across the finish line was Isaac, the winner of the 5K. I was like, mom, dad. (laughs) Actually, I was like, I don't want to talk to anybody for 10 minutes. I am ridiculously undone right now. I was just, anyway. I think heaven's going to be like that. I believe that Jesus is going to individually come to us with a medal. And he's going to say, you know, I didn't ask you to run Brad's race. I didn't ask you to run Shane's race. I didn't ask you to run anyone's race. But your own. I didn't ask you to be something you're not. I just asked you to be the part of the body that you were. And well done. My good and faithful servant. You followed, came to me, you repented, and then you went in my name. I'm so proud of you. You've won your race. now. Yeah.